Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Well, it is great to be with you today, wherever you are from. As Tim said before, huge welcome to all of those who are part of our campuses based around the city. Great to see you today. And perhaps you've just joined us today. You've joined us over the past few weeks on Church Online in one of our services. It is great to have you with us today as well. You are so welcome. And uh, my prayer Uh, for all of us today as we uh, learn more about God, as we dive into His Word, is that we will be filled afresh with His presence, His goodness, His kindness and His joy. That we will know something of His joy afresh today. You know, we've been in a series over the past four weeks as we've journeyed over this Easter season looking at a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. Uh, It was called, the book is called Philippians. And it's a book filled with joy. Paul writes, he's writing from prison. He's in isolation. He's incarcerated. But nonetheless, no matter his circumstances, he's filled with this joy. And he wants the church in Philippi to know it. And I believe that he wants us to know it again today afresh. I believe that God is wanting to fill our hearts with joy afresh today. So don't we jump into this passage? This is our last week in this series of joy and we're going to chapter four of Philippians. So if you have your Bible with you, please do open it up. Uh, Philippians chapter four and we're going to be reading uh, from verse four. If you've got your Bibles at home, open them up, take notes. The words are going to come on the screen as well. Philippians chapter four, Paul writes to the church in Philippi and he says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I vividly remember one of the scariest days of my life. I remember sitting in the driver's seat of my parents' banged up old van in the car park of the Department of Transport where I was about to do my driving exam. Now I remember sitting in the driver's seat, sitting behind the steering wheel, freaking out. And I remember turning across and seeing my driving examiner with his clipboard and he was freaking out. I was freaking out because I realised that my future driving freedom rested in his hands. And he was freaking out because he realised that his very life rested in my hands. Now, I've got to be honest with you. As a 17-year-old man, I was pretty confident 
in my driving ability. I felt like I was in control of my vehicle. I felt like I understood what it meant to get around the car and to drive. And I felt pretty confident that I knew the rules of the road. But over the following 30 minutes as I did my exam, I realised that my confidence was well and truly misplaced. Now I remember driving out of that driveway and the driving examiner asking me to do a whole bunch of manoeuvres. I remember him asking me to pull over to the side of the road and asking me to reverse back in a straight line. I remember reversing back, but I also remember finding myself on the other side of the street. Now I remember driving straight through a stop sign and through an intersection. Perhaps worst of all though was uh, I remember cutting off a postie bike and almost running over a poor postman. You know, I was devastated. I was distraught as I drove back into the driveway of the Department of Transport. And I remember looking across at my driving examiner again, who was looking at me very sternly. And for the sake of my own safety and for the sake of the safety of all of society, he looked at me and he said, Andrew, that was terrible. You failed. I remember the moment vividly. It was a terrible moment. A few years later, I got a job, ironically, that involved driving. By this time, mercifully, I'd managed to get my driver's license. But my employer, in their wisdom, decided to send me on a driver course, a defensive driver training course. Now, maybe some of you have done this. These courses are incredible. I encourage you to do one. Uh, they're basically designed to teach you how to drive so that you don't get into trouble. But if you do get into trouble, they also teach you how to get out of trouble and to safety. Now I remember again sitting in the driver's seat with my hands on the steering wheel. This time there was a driving instructor sitting next to me. And we were driving out uh, in the centre, in the complex, uh, on skid pans and wet concrete. And they, the design was is that they would put you into places where you were out of control and you had to try and get your car back into control before running into a whole bunch of witches hats. And I remember being put into a place where I was out of control in my car and my natural instincts took over. I turned the steering wheel as hard as I could to avoid the barriers and the witches hats. I jammed my foot on the brake trying to stop. But every time I did it, I just continued to motor on out of control, skidding straight into the witches hats. After doing this multiple times, I realised that perhaps I should be listening to my driver instructor who was trying to tell me how I should actually be driving. And you know what? His words made sense. They actually worked. You know, he told me to not turn my steering wheel, but just to press slightly on the brake and allow the car to gain traction, allow the wheels to gain traction. And once they did, I could turn out of danger, missing the witch's hats and towards peace and safety. You know, his words had wisdom. You know, where I was turning in turmoil and trouble and trusting my own ways, I should have been listening to the driving instructor. You know, as I reflect on my driving escapades and as I look out in society and our culture at the moment, you know, I do observe that it's in these times of trouble and turmoil where we feel like we're out of control that we turn to the things that we feel we can control. We turn to the things that we trust. In times of turmoil, we turn to what we trust. 
You know, as I've watched in the last month during this pandemic, I've watched and seen people turn to the shopping centre. You know, they've gone to the supermarket to buy a whole bunch of things. They've run to the supermarket to panic buy. Now, for me, this doesn't make sense. You know, if I'm trying to run away from anxiety and fear, the last place that I would go would be to a shopping centre. Shopping centres evoke pain and fear in my heart. But apparently, this is what some people do. Psychologists explain this as retail therapy. Apparently, that's what you may have heard of. It's retail. I don't get it, but it's retail therapy and it's it's supposed to help our emotional state. In fact, one psychologist I was reading this week said this about our panic buying behavior. He said, it's about taking back control in a world where you feel out of control. You know, some people turn to the supermarket to feel safe. That's what they trust. You know, for other people, they turn to other things. You know, for some people in times of trouble, they turn to the fridge and eat food. You know, there's a whole bunch of people right now in isolation who continue to turn and open the fridge door and eat food. I'm one of those. I quite enjoy chocolate, particularly around Easter time. Maybe you're like that as well. You know, other people turn and... The, the controls on and watch the news because they want to feel like they're in control. Other people turn on Netflix or they turn to books and study or to social media to distract themselves from the trouble going on in our world. Others might turn to science or to government or to health systems to feel like there is some kind of hope in the moment that we're in. And others turn to exercise. I'm telling you, there is a whole bunch of people right now turning to exercise. I go and walk on the pavement and there are people everywhere. And I look at some people and I reckon they've only recently turned to exercise. Now, I mean, that, that, that sounds a little bit harsh, I know. And to be fair, the Circum family have also recently turned to exercise. Just the other day, we bought a couple of bikes. Our kids have been pestering us. They wanted to go out for a bike ride. So we bought some bikes. And the other day, we went for our first ever exercise bike ride with our whole family. I think there's going to be a picture that comes up. And you can see us out there. The kids were so excited. You know, they'd been asking for us to go for a bike ride. And for the first half of the ride, it was so much fun. We had so much fun. But about halfway in, our kids started to get tired. They started to complain. They started to whinge. They started to cry. They even crashed into other people. It was a disaster and we still had many kilometres to get back home. You see, their trust and their joy, what they located in their exercise actually waned. And as I look at the systems that we kind of put our trust in, the things that we turn to in times of trouble, often we grow tired of them. They fail us. They wear out. You know, it's been fascinating just to watch in the last month or so to see a tiny little virus take out a whole bunch of things that we surround our life with to build trust, security and safety. You know, one tiny little virus has robbed us of financial security robbed us of the ability to be able to travel wherever we want, robbed us of the ability to be with our family and friends, to go out to restaurants. For some of us, sadly, it's robbed us of our financial income and our work. I think we're being reminded that the systems that we trust in, the things that we look to, to place our trust in, are only temporary. They fail us. They are not eternal. But Paul writes 
Remember, he's incarcerated. He's in jail. He's in isolation. He writes to the church in Philippi and he says, you can know joy. You can know joy. And that's the hope for us today, that you can know joy. I know many of you right now are walking through fear. You are walking through pain. You're experiencing overwhelm. And I want to acknowledge it right now that as we continue to talk about joy, that I know many of you are working through anxiety and fear. You know, throughout this service, I'd encourage you just to click on a button which says pray. Uh, and it might come up on your screen and that will get you connected uh, straight to one of our pastoral team who would love to pray for you. For you to be able to share your journey, your story. Perhaps it's some, someone in your life who is struggling. We'd love to pray for you. So please click on that button. You know, I'd also want you to know that here at Gateway, we have the Gateway Counselling and Wholeness Centre. You know, if you are feeling overwhelmed right now, you are feeling anxious or you know somebody who is really struggling and you need special help, there's going to be a link that comes up. You go to our website and follow the links. Do connect with us. We would love to help you. You know, we've got a whole bunch of things that we put around us that we trust that fail us. But Paul writes, he says, hey, there is something that we can trust. He writes, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, Paul is writing from prison and he knows that his time is nearing its end. He knows that he's going to be executed. But even in that space, he says, we can know a joy. We can trust a joy that is higher than anything else. And he says it to the church in Philippi. Now, you've got to understand that the church in Philippi is also struggling. You know, it's an outlying little group within a pagan culture. They would have been persecuted they were a tiny little marginalised group. They were struggling. But Paul writes, he says, I want you to know the joy that I have. And he says, rejoice in the Lord. We see that in verse four. And to reiterate his point, he says it again. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Now, I know there's a whole bunch of you sitting in your lounge rooms right now. And if you've been going to church for many, many years like I have, there might be a little bit of a tune that's coming through your mind right now. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. If you know that song, feel free just to start singing it. And if you've got somebody sitting next to you who knows it, maybe you can start a little round, you know, just start singing out. And if you're sitting there right now and you have no idea what I'm talking about, well, you have been spared. It's okay. Let's keep going on with the message. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances. He doesn't say rejoice in your success. He doesn't say rejoice in your financial freedom. He doesn't say rejoice in the wonderful thing that is the Roman Empire or Pax Romana or rejoice in your church or in relationships. No, he says rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord who is greater, who is higher. The God who created all that we see and all that we know. The God who is in control of all things. But not only the God who is great, but the God who stepped down from heaven and walked amongst us, who showed His love for us by dying for us. Rejoice in that Lord. Rejoice in the Lord who is eternal. Rejoice in the Lord who is in control. That's what Paul is saying. Rejoice in the God who is in control. Paul is saying you can have He's saying this to the church. He's saying to us as well. You can have eternal joy in the eternal God rather than temporary joy in temporary things and temporary circumstances. 
So how can we know this God? How can we know this eternal joy? Well, Paul gives us some secrets to finding joy. Paul says that the secret to joy is found in who we trust. He invites us to trust the Lord. Now, trust is challenging for us, particularly when we're feeling anxious. See, when we feel fear, we naturally want to grab hold of our life. We want to grab hold of the steering wheel of our life and we don't want to let go. But the reality is, if we are in control of our life, we don't want to let go, then it's very difficult to trust. And Paul says you need to learn to trust if you are to know joy. Fearful people live with control that stops them from knowing relationship, from entering into trust. David Benner gets to the heart of this when he writes, fearful people live within restrictive boundaries. People who live in fear feel compelled to remain in control. They attempt to control themselves and they attempt to control their world. Often despite their best intentions, this spills over into efforts to control others. Fear also blocks responsiveness to others. You see, our fear and our desire for control actually stops us from trusting. It actually stops us from being open to the other, being open to receive love from others and to receive love from God. So Paul gives us two very practical things that help us develop trust so that we can know peace and that we can know joy in God. The first thing he tells us as we read this passage in, in this letter to the Philippians, he says, pray permanently. You know, straight after he says, rejoice in the Lord, he goes on in verse six to say, do not be anxious, do not be fearful about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul is telling us to pray permanently. Pray always, be always praying. And you know, when we pray, it does two things to us. Firstly, it acknowledges that we are not in control. You know, when we bend the knee and we pray, we are acknowledging that we are not in control. And we are acknowledging that there is a God who is above, who is in control. We acknowledge that we can't fix our circumstances. We acknowledge that we can't fix our family or that relationship or that workplace issue. And we certainly can't fix what is going on in the world. It's an acknowledgement that we are not in control. You know, it's been fascinating to see over this last month or so how people have turned to prayer in profound numbers. I was reading another article about this. Some research has been done in Europe around prayer. And uh, the researchers write this in the article. This is what they've found. Using Google Trends data on internet searches for prayer for 75 countries, the researchers found that search intensity for prayer doubles for every 80,000 new registered cases of COVID-19. Isn't that amazing? The human response when we realise that we're out of control is to turn to prayer. It's to lift our eyes and turn to the God who we believe is in control. Prayer tells us that we're not in control. It's an acknowledgement that we can trust in a God who is in control. The second thing that prayer does is it invites us into a relationship. 
know, prayer is all about a conversation with God. You know, I just want to let you know, maybe you're new to faith. Maybe you're visiting here for the first time. Maybe you've never walked into a church and maybe you think that prayer, you need all these special words, this code language. Let me tell you that you can just talk to God like I'm talking to you now. You know, prayer is just a conversation. It's coming to God and talking to Him. But the amazing thing about prayer when we come to God is that He also reveals Himself to us. He comes and He speaks to us. He reveals His purposes. He gives us His perspective. We're able to to see life in a whole new way when we begin to talk with God, when we begin to have a relationship with Him. And the amazing thing about communication and prayer is it builds trust. We know that, don't we? Any relationship, if it's to grow in trust, it needs communication. Prayer builds trust. And God gives us His perspective and He gives us His direction. Just as we are driving in the driver's seat and just like the driving instructor when I was doing the driving course, we can listen to His Word He speaks to us, He guides us and He directs us. Paul tells us that if we are to grow in trust, we should pray every day. Listen, I reckon there's a great opportunity for us right now in this season where we get to build some new structures and patterns into our life. Let me encourage you, build prayer into your life like never before. Learn to pray. You know what I've found is that if I start my day with prayer, I will finish my day with prayer. If I start my first thing in the morning with prayer, listening to God and bringing my heart to Him rather than turning on the news and hearing the narrative of the world, I'm more likely to be attuned and to be talking to God in the every moment of every day. If I start my day with prayer, I will end my day with prayer. Hey, let me encourage you, build some patterns into your life so that you do what Paul says, pray always, pray permanently. The second thing that Paul tells us to do is to practice praiseworthiness. I didn't even know praiseworthiness was a word, but apparently it's a word and Paul tells us to practice it. You know, Paul goes through a whole list in verses eight and nine, and I'm not going to go through all of them right now. There's a long list of virtues, all praiseworthy things that he encourages all of us to do. The reason why I think He wants us to do it is because as we do those virtues, as we practice praiseworthiness, we actually are shaped and formed to be more like Christ. We actually get the mind of Christ. We get to understand who He is. We begin to trust Him for who He is. We grow more like Him. You see, the more that we practice virtues, the more that we practice praiseworthiness, our hearts, our minds, our emotions and our loves are changed. They're formed in a radically new way. The theologian uh, James Smith writes this about formative behaviour. He says, All habits and practices are ultimately trying to make us into a certain kind of person. So one of the most important questions we need to ask is just what kind of person is this habit or practice trying to produce and to what end is such a practice aimed? What James Smith is saying, what I think Paul is telling us is what we do shapes who we are. Our behaviours, our practices will shape who we are. They'll shape our loves. They'll shape what we trust. And let me encourage you right now, there might be a whole bunch of things that you are doing 
that you're building into your life? Are you practicing praiseworthiness? Let me encourage you in this season, don't just binge watch Netflix. Don't just spend your whole time exercising. Don't just spend your whole time eating or whatever it is. Listen, all of those things have their place and they're not bad. But more than anything else, we have an opportunity to build into our life virtues that will shape us, that will grow us in our relationship with God, that will build trust in Him. Let me encourage you, spend time in God's Word. Spend time reading about Him. Spend time with others, praying with one another, encouraging one another. We have an opportunity to grow in this season, to put, put things in our, in our schedules that will grow us. And the most exciting thing is, is as we do that, our hearts are filled with joy and I believe in this time that that is going to be a gift to our community. You know, as our hearts are filled with joy, as our hearts are filled with peace in a world that is filled with anxiety, we are going to shine like the sun. You know, we have such an opportunity to exude and give joy to those around us, to our streets, our communities, our city. You know, I love hearing the stories of what's happening amongst all our campuses through Gateway Care, as we are loving those who are most in need, those who are most affected at this time. What a great joy it is for us as a church to be a blessing, to bring joy in the midst of despair. That's why I love being part of Gateway. That's why I love doing what we do, blessing our community, shining a light, shining joy, shining hope into our streets, into our community, into our city. We have such an opportunity right now. Let me encourage you, find those moments, build praiseworthiness into your life so that you will grow more to be like Christ, that you will know His peace and that you will know His joy. Paul says, when we pray permanently and when we practice praiseworthiness, we will know peace. See, with trust in Jesus comes peace. And Paul says this in verses seven and nine in our passage, if you've got it there. He writes at the end of saying, pray always. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then after the praiseworthy virtues, he says, and the God of peace will be with you. You see, trust is the foundation for a peaceful relationship. And when we trust God, we can rest in Him. We can enjoy His presence. We can enjoy His love. We can rest in Him, the God who is in control in every and all circumstances. You know, there was a guy who lived in the fourth and fifth century, so a long time ago, a guy called Augustine. Now, Augustine grew up to be one of the most well-known theologians within the Christian faith one of the most influential theologians that we know in our Christian faith. But when he was young, Augustine decided to pursue a whole range of different escapades, uh, pursue a whole bunch of different experiences, pursue a whole bunch of different philosophies, pursue a whole bunch of different religions, all in the pursuit of finding happiness. You know, Augustine was after life. He wanted joy. He wanted happiness. And he tried all these different things. But at the end of it all, he realised that he was still anxious. He was still burnt out. And he was most of all unhappy. And eventually he turned to the faith of his mother, Monica, who was a Christian. And Augustine became a Christian. He placed his faith and his trust in Jesus. He realised that 
above anything else, faith in Jesus gave him true peace and true joy. And in his uh, book, Confessions, which is essentially his autobiography, he writes about his life experiences. And in one part, he says this, and it's a prayer to Jesus. He writes these words, There is rest indeed with you and life beyond turmoil. He who enters into you enters into the joy of his Lord. See, Augustine had understood after trying everything and placing his trust in many different things that the only thing that lasted, the only thing that had any value was to place his trust and find rest in Jesus. And when he placed his trust in Jesus, he found rest, he found peace and he found joy. You know, finding peace and placing our trust in God requires a step of faith. You know, Paul says it's a peace that passes understanding. It's stepping into something that we cannot see to receive something that we can't explain. But Paul invites us into this step of faith. It is a step of faith. Now, I know for many of you right now, as you're listening to this, you may have objections. You may have questions. You may say, how can I have faith? How can I trust God in my current circumstances? How can I trust God with my life? How can I trust God with my future? How can I trust God with my family? You know, maybe you've been a person of faith. Maybe you've been Christian many, many years and and you are finding that right now. You are fearful, you're worried, you're anxious and you're really not sure whether you can trust God in this season. Or perhaps you're not a Christian, perhaps you've just joined us for the first time or you're on the journey and you've got that question as well. How can I trust God? You're telling me, Andrew, to place my trust and faith in Him, but I don't know. Can I really trust that? You know, is that provable? Well, listen, faith by nature isn't totally provable, but we make faith steps every day in relationships, in our structures around us. We all take steps of faith. But what I would say to you, if you have, a que- have that question today, I would say this, is that God has revealed Himself to us. He has shown His love for us. You see, we can surrender control to God who surrendered control for us. That's what Easter is all about. We've just celebrated Easter where God steps down from heaven and comes to earth. He's not a God who is distant and far off. You know, we can surrender, to, uh, surrender control to a God who actually came down. You know, in week two, we found that out as Andrew Main preached and, and preached on how God humbled Himself. Jesus stepped down from heaven and came to earth, came down in, in human form, gave up His rights, gave up His power. He surrendered control and He walked amongst us in our mess and in our pain. He surrendered control. He lived the perfect life. He walked the streets of Judea caring for the sick, healing the sick, speaking life to the broken, the poor and the needy. He taught with power, with compassion and with justice. You know, Jesus was the perfect human. But at the age of 33, He was taken to a Roman cross where He was crucified. He was murdered at the hands of Roman soldiers and the religious elite. And to be honest, it was actually all of us that caused Him to die. It was our sin. It was our distrust of God, our turning from God that caused Jesus to come down and die for us. 
He died for us so that we may be restored into relationship with Him, so that we could have a relationship with trust again. He showed us His love for us. He exhibited His love for us so that we could be in relationship with Him, so that we could place our trust in Him. See, the invitation is to trust in the Jesus who came and died for every one of us. And we all have a choice. You know, some of us see God like a driving examiner. And we look at our driving examiner and he's got his checklist and God has his checklist and he's watching us in life and we're trying to do life and we're trying to get it right and and try and be perfect. But the reality is, is that we will never measure up to God's checklist. We will never pass the exam. We will always fail. We've done things in our life, thought things, said things, whatever it is that cause us to fail. And God is our judge. He does look at us and we do fail against His holiness. But that's not the end of the story. You see, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came down. God came down to die for us because He recognised that we could not fix our problem. We could not measure up. We could not be perfect, no matter how hard we tried. And so Jesus came and He died for us. He died for all our failures, all our sins. You see, we are set free from religion, box ticking, trying to be perfect because of Jesus. Jesus died for us so that we can be in relationship with Him, so that we can now see God as a friend. God is our Lord. He is the one who speaks wisdom to us. He guides us if we would just trust His Word, if we would just listen to Him, if we would just relinquish our control. And as we drive the the, the story of our life, we listen to the wisdom of God. Jesus is there for us. It is grace. It is grace by which we are saved. And that is the choice that every one of us has to make. Are we going to place our trust in Jesus and what He's done for us? You know, our little son, Jacob, our youngest, is learning how to swim at the moment. And we take him down to the pool and Jacob loves just to jump in. But as soon as he jumps in, he can't swim and he flounders and he starts drinking in water and he starts to sink and he begins to panic. He's out of control. And so I jump in and I pick him up and I hold him. And as soon as I hold him, he is able to enjoy splashing about in the pool, enjoying the pool with his sisters. As long as Jacob knows that I'm holding him, As long as Jacob knows that I'm in control, Jacob is able to enjoy the pool. And that's the same thing for us. As long as we know that God is in control and if we're happy to rest in Him, if we're happy to say, God, you're in control of my life, then we are released in peace to enjoy life no matter our circumstances. That is the offer for each one of us. We all have a choice. You have a choice right now. Now, maybe you've been a Christian for many, many years, or maybe you're not a Christian and you're on the journey of faith, but everyone has a choice. Are we going to trust in God? Are we going to find peace in a relationship that comes with Him? Are we going to enjoy being with God who is in control? If you're here and you are a Christian, And maybe you're in that moment where actually you're you're struggling to trust God. Maybe things have crowded around you. My encouragement to you today is to take hold of what Paul is telling us. To pray, 
to practice praiseworthiness, to build things in your life that grows your sense of relationship, your trust in God again, to find your joy afresh in God. But I wonder if there are some of you here right now and perhaps you haven't placed your trust in Jesus. And I want to say to you, now is the time. Maybe you are feeling overwhelmed. Maybe you are feeling anxious. Maybe you're feeling like you can't handle everything that's going on. And the invitation is to trust, to place your faith in Jesus right now. Now on the screen, we're just going to have a little button which says, I raise my hand, I want to follow Jesus. And if that's you today, I encourage you right now to click that button to say, yes, I need Jesus in my life. I can't do this anymore. I need to hand over to the God who is in control. I encourage you, just click that button right now. Say, yes, that's me. I want to follow Jesus. I need to trust Jesus. I need to be set free from the things that are holding me down, my anxiety. I turn away from the things that I'm trusting. Hey, if that's you today, I'd love to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. A prayer that says, God, I trust you. I turn from the things that I have trusted and I turn to you and I acknowledge that you're in control. God, will you come into my life and will you fill me with your presence and your peace? Hey, if that's you right now, wherever you are, Maybe this is the first time that you've ever prayed this or maybe you, you need to pray this after, after being away from God for a long time. Let me encourage you just wherever you are right now to join us as we pray this prayer. Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes and maybe you wanna pray after me. Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I turn from everything that I know is wrong and choose to follow you. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the promise me new life. Please come into my life so that I can know your power and your grace forever. Amen. Hey, that is awesome. That is such good news. If you have prayed that prayer today, all of heaven is rejoicing and we are rejoicing as well. Come on, why don't we just celebrate wherever you are in your land room. Let's cheer those on who have uh, who've prayed that prayer, who have placed their faith and their trust in Jesus today. It's the best decision that you could ever make. Hey, listen, if you have prayed that prayer, if you, don't, you have placed your trust in Jesus for the first time today, I'm gonna to ask you to do a couple of things. Firstly, I want you to click a button right now, which says pray. I want you to get in contact with some of our pastoral team and they're gonna help you on your journey, help you in your journey of understanding who Jesus is to grow in your relationship with Him. The other thing that I encourage you to do is to sign up for our Alpha course. Alpha is a great opportunity to continue to grow and understand and know who Jesus is. Continue that journey of faith. And we would love for you to join us in our next Alpha course, which starts in just a couple of weeks time. Sign up for that. We would love to have you with us. Hey, we are, we're going to uh, sing a final song. We sang it before, a song that just declares that no matter what we're going through, in the middle of the storm, we will lift our voice and praise God. You know, C.S. Lewis says that joy is not complete until we praise. And so let me encourage you as you are in your lounge room, maybe you just want to join along and sing. Allow God to minister to you. And let me encourage you in this moment, don't just let this be a whole bunch of wonderful words, but walk away and say, God, 
What are you calling me to do? How can I grow in my faith and my trust so that I may know a new joy no matter what my circumstances are? Come on team, why don't we worship? Why don't we sing? Wherever you are, let's sing our worship song and bring praise and joy to God.
pray together. Let's pray. God, we thank You that You invite us to trust You. God, we thank You that You are the God who is in control. And God, I pray that for all of us in our different ways as we go through this season of life, no matter our circumstances, that You will fill us with a newfound faith, a newfound hope, a newfound peace, and ultimately, God, a newfound joy. Fill us with joy, we pray. We worship You and we thank You that You are the God who is in control. It's in the mighty Name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been great to have you. Hey, have a great week. We look forward to continuing next week. We are starting a new series next week called No Other Name, looking at some of the names of God. So we'd love to have you back next week as we continue our church online services. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Bless you. been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.